Welcome to the Vincent the Bay Podcast. My guest this episode is John. Hey, Vince. He goes by WVU Alpha Beta Kappa Delta Soldier on the internet. WVU Alpha Soldier. WVU Soldier works if you just want to call me Soldier or if you want to call me John. Either way. Okay. And we're talking about uh, all kinds of fun cyber stuff. The latest leak, the Shadow Brokers, uh, apparently they are auctioning off exploit kits that they stole or borrowed or copied. I don't know the, the right terminology, but they have some uh, exploit kits on the market Bitcoin is uh, accepted. Yeah, so John's here to talk with me about this. He's got a background in uh, in psyops and and um, the cyber industry or the information security industry. So my background is in, as you said, U.S. military psyop. By the way, no S. It's psychological operations. Um, I joined the army in 2006, coming out of West Virginia University, WVU. Uh, where I was a math philosophy major. Went to Iraq in 2008, where I did tactical psychological operations in Baghdad and in central Iraq. In 2010, I redeployed to Iraq, this time as a desk job, working as a propaganda analyst under J37 for the non-military. That's the joint staff at the operations for uh, information operations level, um, where Uh, I was monitoring. Sounds totally legit. Yeah, J37, where I was monitoring jihadist activity. So at the time, Anwar al-Awlaki was the big guy. And so I was watching how um, data would be put on some of the major jihadist forums out there and how that data translated from the, uh, from the top-level al-Qaeda types to the boots-on-the-ground guys. So if new messaging came out online one day, how long would it take for that data to disseminate all the way down to leaflets on the streets being handed out by the thugs in Iraq? So I was doing that when uh, my jihadi websites kept going down. And uh, this became such a big deal that all of us in Iraq were trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, why were the jihadist websites down for you know five hours and then coming back up, down for 10 hours and coming back up? It got to the point where we were asking all the three-letter agencies and everybody else within the government, you know, who's dropping our jihadist websites. Decided to check in with the old hackers from back when I was a little kid. So I signed into FNet um, and just asked, you know, hey, does anybody know who could be DDoSing jihadi websites? And they pointed me to the jester. So no good deed goes unpunished once I reported that that was why our jihadist websites were getting disrupted. Um, it was online activists. You mean the, these these uh, patriot hackers? Yeah, just anybody. Yeah, who these was, guys uh, that think they can take cyber law into their own hands. Anybody who was disrupting military operations, um, we didn't do anything about it. There was no there was no action arm. But in order to maintain awareness of what was going on, yeah, if I saw anything, I'd hang out in the IRC channels, and if uh, we saw anything that was disrupting military operations, I'd report it up. And those were taken into account as we went about our daily business in Iraq. As you know, around that time, Bradley Manning uh, dropped his stuff. WikiLeaks became a thing. Um, Anonymous became a thing. All of this got major attention. Um, I left Iraq uh, somewhere near the end of 2010. 
um, right when, actually the first day of Operation New Dawn, so whatever day that was, was when I left Iraq. Came back home, uh, and I was home for a little bit, redeployed to Afghanistan after a couple months, um, where I was an atmospherics manager. Um, nothing to do with the internet at all. I was wandering around Kandahar. Got atmospherics up. manager? Yep. You manage the atmosphere. The moods, perceptions, and opinions of populations. How does the population feel about the Taliban today? Holy crap, <laughs> sign me up. How, how, where do I sign up? It was a fun job. Come on, I can do that. <laughs> yep, it was a good job. You guys can Google atmospherics managers. And atmospherics management. I think that's my true calling in life. Oh, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to check that out. That sounds awesome. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to do it in a terrorist-infested uh, country, but hey, are you looking to hire for an uh, atmospherics manager in, say... I don't know. Italy? I can give you the it's, atmospherics of, of, uh, of, of Florence. I mean, Firenze. That's, that's actually a thing, dude. So uh went to Afghanistan. Was a, It was cool. It was up-armored land cruiser, AK-47, driving around Kandahar. Got caught up in the spring, of, spring offensive down there. Moved from Afghanistan to Kabul to work with SIVSOC. That's Combined Forces Special Operations Command. And CJ Potiff, which is Combined Joint Psychological Operations Task Force, was there for the half of the year. And then I went, came back home and started monitoring uh, foreign actor activity online from the uh, comfort of America. Did any of your analysis or work ever cross over to ISIS and the whole trick thing? Regarding the whole trick thing, not trick specifically. When it came out that Trick had left the activist scene and moved into the ISIS scene, I just so happened to be well-positioned because I already knew who the kid was. We'd been interacting since the days when he was DDoSing 2600 to harass Chester, right? So I knew who the kid was and, and did you know a little write-up on it. But uh, for the most part, I tried really hard to segregate my work to make sure that you know what was happening with the hacker community wasn't reflected at all in the reports about jihadist stuff, right? Of course, we're talking about Junaid Hussein, better known as Trick from his Team Poison days, who was probably the most visible cyber threat or hacker for ISIS for a bit. As a result, he ended up with a Hellfire missile to his forehead. That's correct. You've been hanging around this hacker community. I've been hanging around this, this hacker troll community, a non-activist thing. And we see these guys get caught, busted, arrested, both domestically and internationally. And what's the worst thing that happens that we usually hear about? Oh, the FBI did a no-knock, bust down to the door, put guns to their face while they're in bed, and dragged them out, and, you know, they went to jail and were convicted and locked up for a period of time, and that was it. You never heard about them being assassinated, uh, the government didn't want to get Junaid Hussein for the fact that he was a hacker, but more because he was an ISIS propagandist. In counterinsurgency, and you can look at Petraeus's manual, I forget the nomenclature off the top of my head, but hearts and minds is what we're going for, right? You want to try to get the people who don't know whether they, uh, who don't know whether they should support the U.S. or the coalition away from the people who support ISIS. And yeah, absolutely, propaganda is a big game. It's a big deal. What we need is to get buy-in from the local population everywhere. And so having people like Trick out there, having the Anwar Alakis out there that provide a compelling counter-narrative to what uh, messaging the insurgency or the allies are pushing, 
puts them pretty quickly at the top of the kill lists. Yeah. Julian Assange and an Edward Snowden, if we're to take them at face value, are equally, if not more problematic as propagandists against um, the U.S. interests. So are they on kill lists? I do not think so. No, so there's a huge difference between what the military is going to do in a war zone environment and what the State Department and policymakers are going to do in a civilian environment. Um, Even if that crosses over into the military environment, because... You know, WikiLeaks kind of made its name off of uh, dumping military uh, cables. Absolutely. So if you're a citizen and, you know, not working with the enemy who disagrees with the United States, you have the right to disagree with us. That's not enough to get you on a kill list. I worry a lot about what's going on with military propaganda. The jester just retweeted one of my tweets. Hey, I am, by the way, one of his 1,337 people he follows. As am I. So that makes me leet. Join the club. I'm leet, bro. <laughs> Jester, yep. Jester only has leet number of followers, and I'm, and I'm in that. Oh, yeah? Two of my accounts are. How about that? You still there? Yeah, sorry, bro. You know, you know how it is when 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 Jester uh, retweets you, your shit just blows up. Nice, dude. My Twitter notifications are just off the chain, bro. <laughs> the Jester army is on the offensive. All right, okay. So risk based security has. If you go to riskbasedsecurity.com or if you go to risk based on Twitter, they have a link up. They have a page, and got so it. It's like the one stop shop. There's one guy in here um, who's on Twitter who goes by Zipadux. He claimed to be a former NSA, said straight up this is an inside thing. Sounded plausible. Some people think this was an inside job where an NSA analyst walked out of NSA with a thumb drive containing all this data. Others seem to think the data was taken from a command and control server, uh, and these files were left on it accidentally. Um, and there's more theories out there, but those seem to be the two big competing ones. I'm not inclined to think that this was an inside job. A lot of the data dates back to 2013, especially in the free sample. That data might be from around the time that Edward Snowden left the NSA and that whole trauma happened. And that could have been leaked that way on purpose, right? Indeed. They could have done that to create a timeline that makes it look like it was Snowden. Yeah, and we we have a whole other section to go on when it comes to Snowden in this whole thing. Um, some of just the timeline of Snowden in this whole thing is extremely dubious. For the inside job narrative to work, did somebody walk out of the NSA with that data and has been sitting on a thumb drive from 2013 up until today and just now decided to leak it? Or is it more likely that that data came from a command and control server somewhere and those files were just accidentally left on the C2 node because people are human and even if they're NSA analysts, they still make mistakes? I'm more inclined to think that it was the latter. It, when I get a virus file, say, from a jihadist or from wherever, I might go back and see if I can get into the command and control server of whoever just tried to virus me. That seems like a much more compelling narrative 
then somebody walked out with data from 2013, has been sitting on it for all these years, and now, just now, during the election, during all of the uh, crazy international diplomacy problems that we're having, just now decided to release it. That seems unlikely compared to the idea that someone found these files on a C2 server. So you don't think it's an inside job? Who could have possibly broken in there? Okay, first of all, if you're an elite hacksaw and you have the ability to find these tools that are so badass and hardcore that they have names like Banana Plug or whatever, why would you leak that out? That you know, gets into the that gets into the information operations part of it, doesn't? What are the what are the motivations that someone would have for leaking this data as opposed to holding on to it? There are plenty of incentives for holding on to the data. You would have to be really motivated and have good reason for giving this data up to the public the way that they did. If you follow what was what's been tweeted from the Edward Snowden account recently, he was stating that this might be a political move. So the U.S. government has been quick to attribute the DNC hacks to Russia. According to the Snowden account, someone may be pushing this data out there to demonstrate to the U.S. government, hey, if we play this attribution game, you know that we've been inside of your C2 nodes and we can provide evidence that shows that you have hacked to influence other people's elections. So shut your mouth and stop talking about Russia the way you are. That is one narrative that's out there, and that doesn't seem like a bad narrative. That seems like a compelling enough reason to want to give this data up as opposed to hold on to it. Of course, if I had access to NSA-level zero days, I would want to hold on to that, or I'd want to maybe sell it to an exploit broker as opposed to just giving it out to the public the way they did. I think my favorite name is probably Extra Bacon, which is an exploit against the SNP service of Cisco Adaptive Security Appliance devices, which affects version 8.02 to 8.44, blobity bloobity SMP, SSH, CVE, SNP, ELCA, ELBO, ELCO. There's so many acronyms. How do you keep up with them? You've got to live in the industry for a long time, man. My job title was LNO for APA to CivSoc at CGPOTIF. Eligible so, bombshell, eligible contestant, eligible bachelor, eligible candidate, escalate plowman, epic banana. Come to think of it, I think I saw epic banana open for um, Ween back in like 94, I want to say, at the Warfield. Okay, yeah, let me play this clip for you. Okay. Attention government sponsors of cyber warfare and those who profit from it. How much you pay for enemies' cyber weapons? Not malware you find in networks. We find cyber weapons made by creators of Stuxnet, Dutgu, Flame. Kaspersky calls Equation Group. We follow Equation Group traffic. We find Equation Group source range. We find many, many Equation Group cyber weapons. You see pictures. We give you some Equation Group files free. You see. This is good proof, no? You enjoy. We auction best files to highest bidder.
auction files better than Stuxnet. No other information will be disclosed by us publicly. Do not believe unsigned messages. We will contact winner with decryption instructions. FAQ Frequently Asked Questions Question Why I want auction files? Why send Bitcoin? Answer If you like proof, you send Bitcoin. If you want to know your network's hacked, you send Bitcoin. If you want hack networks as like equation group, you send Bitcoin. Question What is an auction files? Answer Is secret. Equation group not know what lost. We want equation group to bid so we keep secret. You bid against equation group, win and find out or bid pump price up. Piss them off, everyone wins. Question Why I trust you? Answer No trust, risk, you like reward, you take risk, maybe win, maybe not, no guarantees. There could be hack, steal, jail, dead, or war tomorrow. Closing Remarks Attention Wealthy Elites We have final message for Wealthy Elites. We know what is wealthy, but what is elites? Elites is making laws protect self and friends, lie and fuck other peoples. Elites is breaking laws. Regular peoples go to jail, life ruin, family ruin, but not elites. Elites is breaking laws. Many peoples know elites guilty. Elites call top friends at law enforcement and government agencies, offer bribes. Make promise future hand jobs, but no blow jobs. Elites top friends announce, no law broken. No crime commit. Reporters, not call journalists, make a living say write only nice things about elites. Convince dumb cattle, is just politics. Everything is awesome. Check out our ads and our prostitutes. Then elites runs for president. Why run for president when already control country like dictatorship? What does have do with fun cyber weapons auction? We want make sure wealthy elite recognizes our auction poses to their wealth and control. Let us spell out for elites. Your wealth and control depends on electronic data. You see what equation group can do. You see what crypto lockers and Stuxnet can do. You see free files we give for free. You see attacks on banks and swift in news. Maybe there is equation group version of crypto locker and stocks net for banks and financial systems. If equation group lose control of cyber weapons, who else lose or find cyber weapons? If electronic data go bye bye where leave wealthy elites? Maybe with dumb cattle? Do you feel in charge? Wealthy elites, you send bitcoins, you bid an auction, maybe big advantage for you.
So there you have it. Um, what are what, what's your your initial reaction? Off the bat, the sentence structure reminds me a lot of Arabic. It reminds me of uh, it reminds me of an Arabic speaker speaking English for the first time. But I think this sentence structure is designed to intentionally obfuscate where the people are coming from. What about what do you make about the future hand jobs, but no blowjobs? Yeah, yeah, that was a weird little joke in there. Um, I don't know what they were going for. Almost like it was written by a kid. Um, Almost as if it was done by a very sloppy, brazen, underage kid. And it may be. Um, So one of the things I get brought in for, right, is when influence operations and propaganda happen in cyberspace. You can get a you can get better psyopers and you can get better hackers, but there aren't very many people that know hacking and psyop. One of the interesting things to come out of the DNC hack was one of the emails the DNC leak showed about DNC professionals talking about running a deception op against Trump, where they were putting up completely sexist Craigslist ads for jobs. With I heard about that. I know what you're talking about. One of the things that makes me super happy is that operation was so fucking horrible. It, whenever anybody says, oh my god, the government's doing psyops on the internet, I can now point at that and say, look. Look at what the highest levels of the Democratic National Committee, the, high, the people that get our people elected, if the people that do actually collude in order to corrupt our government – Look at how horrible their deception operation is here. If they can't do that right, I promise whatever harebrained ID you think the government's doing currently is probably false. Jonathan Nichols, my guest on this episode of the Vince of the Bay podcast. We're talking about cyber and uh, cyber. All right, let's do like a postmortem, if we can, on uh, this whole shadow brokers, NSA equation group leak hack whatever you want to call it let's wrap it up in a bow and put it away what what's what's let's sum it hold up hold on before we do that i want to add one more piece to the equation there regarding some of the curious behavior coming out of the edward snowden account which is related to all of this so as i'm sure you saw uh, the snowden account came back alive after a eight or nine day absence the first tweet was News about my death has been greatly exaggerated. Wow. Original. Yeah. The next tweet was something generic about something Greenwald and the Intercept had done. And then the next was a huge stream of conscious about these recent NSA dumps. Now, here's the problem. He disappeared for eight or nine days. He comes from both the hacking and the intelligence community. Vince, you know as well as I do, when you hop into an IRC back channel and I need to make sure it's you, what's the first thing I do? Twitter auth. I ask you to auth yourself. You have to authenticate. You have to prove using some other account or some other means that you are who you say you are. When Edward Snowden signed off and disappeared for eight or nine days, he did two things. His first – both of them are deleted now, but there's evidence of them out on the internet – First, he asked anybody who knew him back in 2013 when he was still working at NSA to contact him, quote-unquote, it's time, whatever the hell that means. Then what looked to be a decryption key was published. Some like 64-bit random string of shit was published, right? Both of which have since been deleted. 
you and I both know people who have insurance files or who have had insurance files. It's kind of hacker SOP to have a zip file out there and to have a kill switch on you. So you have to deactivate it every couple of days or so. But essentially, if you disappear off the face of the earth, automatically the decryption key for whatever your insurance package is gets pushed out somehow. Those insurance keys look an awful lot like the message that uh, Snowden disseminated. So he pushes what appears to be an insurance key and tells his people who knew him when he was still at the NSA from 2013 to get at him because, quote unquote, it's time, and then disappears off the face of the earth for fucking eight days, comes back, says a couple generic things, and then immediately jumps in on this equation group, Shadow Brokers BS. Now, regardless of what he's saying and the truth or accuracy behind it, that's some bullshit, right? It doesn't okay. happen on your account or my account or anybody's account. If any of that sort of wonkiness had happened and we disappeared for eight days, as soon as we came back, the very first thing that any of the hacking community would ask us to do is fucking auth ourselves, right? Yeah. We'd tell you to take a picture of a shoe yeah. on your head. And it wouldn't be crazy of us to ask that. And we've had it happen. This isn't theory for us. We've had our friends disappear for eight days and we forced them to auth before we say a damn word to them. It's, it's just how this game works. It's the same in the intelligence community. It's the same in the hacking community. He knows both communities. Why the shit hasn't he authed yet? And it's not hard. All he has to do is a quick video conference with fucking anybody. Or he could, and this would be less good, but would still be helpful, if he could just sign a key cryptographically and we could check it against his, uh, we could check it against his public key and verify that it's actually fucking him. I liked uh, your other idea, uh, shoe on the head. I would love to see Snowden put a shoe on his head to verify that it's him. And he also has to dress in a tutu, right? That's the only way we can know it's him. Yeah. All I know is that you need to auth. He has not authed. We can't know that's him. I just want to call that out. It seems like as soon as he went on that 13-tweet rant, everybody forgot that we thought he might be dead like 24 hours ago. Why is everybody's memory so short? We still don't know that's him. Yeah. Hey, Snow Job, if you're listening, Twitter auth, bro. Seriously. Snowballs. Shoe on the head, pink tutu, and whistle the Russian national anthem. It's the only way we can know for sure. Yeah, that's the only way to authenticate. PsyOps Online is my game. Um, and when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So I could be way off base here. But as a professional in this game, I also want to stress... I'm not drawing conclusions. I don't know what it is that's going on. All I know is this whole thing stinks to high hell. From both a hacking perspective, a PSYOP perspective, an intelligence community perspective, this just smells off. And when you've been doing this for 10 years, you'll learn to trust that spider sense sometimes. This is one of those times. I'm going to tweet him right now, bro. Don't worry. We'll get to the bottom of this. I'm Twitter famous. He has to respond. All right. I'm saying, yo, Snowden. Twitter auth, bro. Shoe on head and pink tutu. Anything else I should add? I think that's it. You gotta hum the national anthem as well. Oh, yeah. Also, hum Russian national. Yeah. Um, it's the, the name is state anthem of the Russian Federation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Three minutes. Oh, here it is in Russian. In English, it's called the State Anthem of the Russian Federation. I literally just told you that. I was literally not paying attention. All right, dude. 
I'm going to troll Snowden right now. Do it. Do it, faggot. Uh, I'm going to do some hot cyber hacking. No, this is what I'm doing. I've got uh, just enough characters. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm the maestro of conserving characters on Twitter. Composing a tweet. It's, it's an art form. It really is. It is. Got to spend some time on it. Put the national anthem and a link to an MP3 of the Russian national anthem. Hey. Praised be the fatherland. You know how they always uh, joke about Russia being the motherland? Indeed. The uh, lyrics of the uh, Russian Federation National Anthem, if you translate it to English, it actually praises the fatherland. Okay, I don't like to be the obvious person who puts the dot in front of the name. Right. You're just basically saying, I'm sharing this with all my followers. Yep. That's what that dot means. That's exactly what it means. So you know what I do instead of the dot? I use something like, so, uh, WVU Alpha, oh, yeah, I've totally alpha done Beta that. Soldier. What makes you think you know what you're talking about? So I'm putting here, I'm putting, yo, Snowden, Twitter auth, bro. Boing, here's the link. Bingo. Can you do something like hashtag prove it's you? Uh, it's too late. It's already gone. Already yeah. gone into the Twitter ether. Your Twitter fantasy has to answer. It's done. I'm getting some DMs, though, from some people. Sweet. Zip-a-ducks. Zipadux said he said I can quote him. Yeah, so I looked I looked a little bit at what he was saying um, while we were on break there. And uh, from what he's saying, the way that the data is structured, so, so when I look at, you know, files and folders, it's going to be structured on and on my computer differently than if I put it up on a uh, on a command and control node or on some server somewhere. So one of his critical points was that the data was structured the same way it is internally. And that's an interesting fact. If true, and there's, uh, there's no way to authenticate that, but if true, that really does suggest insider threat. And the insider threat is, is very likely Snowden. Or made to look like Snowden. Mm-hmm. Uh... Zipaducks said I could uh, quote him on this. My colleagues and I are former NSA employees, and we're fairly certain that this was no hack or group for that matter. This was an insider who leaked the data. The naming convention of the file directories, as well as some of the scripts in the dump, are only accessible internally because the network is physically gapped. There's no reason for those files to have ever been on a staging server in the first place unless someone did it on purpose. Some of the scripts are simply for setting up a workstation pre-op. Other file names are changed pre-deployment. 
It was also a concern of everyone working in TAL. What's TAL? That's essentially the elite hacking branch of NSA. The operators had access to all of this and could easily be taken. Uh, one theory is that this guy separated from the military and or NSA. That's right, yeah. yeah. And has been sitting on this data for some time before trying to profit from it. Another could be that he is still working there, however unlikely, and using NSA infrastructure for anonymity. In this case, he wouldn't have to remove the data from the facility at all. Either way, we are 99.9% sure that Russia has nothing to do with this. And even though all this speculation is more sensational out in the media, the insider theory should not be dismissed. We think it's the most plausible. The fake broken English and the claim that he's uh, a group are pretty dodgy ways of trying to throw the trail off of himself. Um, you know, there's some possibility that this is Snowden still. The way that the language, particularly the language at the bottom, when it discusses the, uh, the wealthy elite, that's the kind of thing that would be written by an individual and not written as some sort of calculated thing by a group. There is a little, there's a little bit of an insider threat problem there, uh, particularly if that file structure and naming convention theory holds water, if that's literally how it is inside TAO at NSA, then yeah, I get it. That makes sense. Zip Ducks followed up that by saying a few other things like... Um... And this theory being peddled by people like Snowden that someone made a mistake and it was all on a compromised staging server. Seriously, what are the odds that in that instance, someone that sophisticated was watching that particular random proxy and caught it and knew what it was? Damn near zero. Uh, the data dates back to 2013, right? Yeah. Doesn't that coincide with uh, when Snowden allegedly went rogue? I think that's by design to make it look like the timeline well, matches who knows? up with what Snowden. If, well, one of the, I mean, one of the other things, right? So Snowden had just ten days ago tweeted to anybody who had worked with him in 2013. It is time, whatever that meant. And then we have this dump that correlates to when Snowden left the NSA, and it looks like the data came from inside NSA's offices, not their C2 servers, but their offices. And now, of course, we're just going off of the I'm just going off of my interaction with Zipadux, who is an Easter egg. I mean, not yeah. Easter egg. He is an egg. So when you do the key bono on this guy and you try to figure out what his motivations are for coming out and saying what he's saying, uh, the fact that he's coming out as an Easter egg, he's not trying to get any self-aggrandizement out of what he's doing. He takes some risk just by coming out and saying what he's saying. Absolutely. So either it's masterful psyop to what end, I don't know, or this dude's telling the truth. Yeah. So far, Snowden, it's been about uh, 15 minutes, has not responded to my tweet. <sighs> Dude. Um, oh, we got to do a post-mortem on this whole Equation Group cyber weapons auction. Um. What's important to note about what you're seeing on this list of, uh, of these things, those are not, those are, that's not malware by itself. Those are exploits. 
Then I attach a payload, and that payload can be anything. That payload can be ransomware, that payload can be a remote shell, that payload can be a bunch of different types of things. So what you're seeing there are the exploits, not the payloads. That's what she said. Hey. Uh, in my day, penetration testing uh, had nothing to do with computers. Did you? I know, and cyber had nothing to do with security. I want to start a new hashtag, make cyber sexy again. Or maybe just make cyber sex again. I, I think that's right. Make cyber sex again. If you do that, I will retweet it. All right. I will help. So right now, the problem is that there were a lot of zero days in the public release. There might be a lot of zero. There might be more zero days in the data that's being auctioned. We don't know. But the data does appear to be credible. This looks like it's. This looks like it actually came out of the NSA one way or the other. Right now, the best thing for incident response and just general sysadmins to be doing, intelligently review what has been released, intelligently review what will be released in the coming days, identify what vulnerabilities and what zero days are in those things, and ensure that enterprise networks are patched against it. Get those patches out there as fast and as reasonably as possible. We need to get ahead of the curve of the bad guys that are doing the same analysis we are. Once we have that, then we can start talking about attribution. Then we can start talking about who did it and why. When it comes to attribution, understand it's a messy game. Not everybody's going to get it right all the time. And there's going to be a lot of competing hypotheses out there. When you're doing your attribution, who had the means, who had the motive, who had the opportunity, and particularly who is motivated to release such an amazing treasure trove of data this way at this time? By doing that analysis in a cold and rational way, you're going to have your best chance at coming across some rational, reasonable attempts at attribution as opposed to just going whichever way the mainstream media tells you to go. There appears to be a game being played out in public right now that I think hasn't been played out in public before in this magnitude. Whatever this is, this is big and it's important and there are some players playing that are intentionally muddying the waters. Whether they're doing it for Russia, whether they're doing it for Turkey, whether they're doing it for the United States, who knows? But be conscious of that. Be conscious of the fact that these waters are getting muddied, muddied intentionally. And know that there are people who do this day in and day out. Rooms of them with commanders who've been doing this for 30 years sitting above them who are intentionally trying to confuse the public message about what's going on. Understand that, be conscious of it, and work to keep as sober and clear an idea and a perspective of what's going on as possible. So when you're looking at aspects of various nations, intelligence communities, psychological operations, all that stuff, when you're looking at it, particularly as a, as a Western citizen, it is not always the best idea, and a lot of Western citizens fall into this trap. It's not a good idea to think of it the same way you think of Western governments. So we go out of our way to make sure that we deconflict. We don't want the NSA running an op that is in direct contradiction with what the CIA is doing. You don't want information operations in Baghdad to be DDoSing jihadi websites while the CIA is trying to do collections on jihadi websites. When Western civilians, particularly Western media, watches the operations of foreign intelligence agencies, they frequently assume that those agencies work the same way ours do. And that's not necessarily true. 
So we go out of our way to make sure that NSA and CIA and information operations and whomever else special operations, we go out of our way to make sure that those operations deconflict. And we try our best to make sure that all sides are sharing data. Doesn't always happen, but we do our best with it. Um, and that was a big thing after 9-11. Um, that's not true in a lot of other cases. There are state-supportive hacking groups. The same way that the jester is supportive of the United States but doesn't take direction from the United States, there are much more capable hacking groups that are supportive of the Russian agenda or supportive of the Iranian agenda or supportive of the Chinese agenda. And these are capable guys that are operating independently. Syrian Electronic Army is a great example of one that might not have, though there's some good evidence they do, but might not have state sponsorship is not officially recognized as an organization by the Syrian government, but still operates with Syrian government motives in mind. Um, the same thing is true of other nation states. So while the FSB and whomever's doing hacking for them might be working at behest of FSB, there might be other groups there that are operating and not talking to FSB. And CrowdStrike made that point when they were talking about the DNC hacks. If you, if you read it and pay close attention to what they said, they highlighted two Russian groups that were in the, in the DNC. One of them has absolute ties to state sponsorship. The other one might, but it's almost certain that neither group was talking to each other. This happens all over the place. Even though the body of the entire organization is the Russian government, don't assume the right hand is talking to the left. They might both be working to strangle you, but they're both doing it in different ways. And they might actually end up stepping on each other's dicks and just not knowing it. Note, and I think it's, it's, important, it's important to highlight, right? I'm not drawing any conclusions off of the data points that I'm giving you right now. I'm giving you the data and I'm saying that what I'm seeing is concerning, but I'm keeping my tinfoil off because I don't know what all these data points add up to. I just know that what they add up to and what the narrative that we're being fed right now don't quite align, but we all need to be conscious, cognizant, and skeptical of what we're looking at. Um, the Gruck, I love that guy. Oh, yeah. His Avi looks familiar. I'm sorry, uh, Gruck. <laughs> But I've got to do a Google image search on your Avi. Oh, that! Oh, I know who that is. That's Seven Samurai. That's yeah. a, no, 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 no. That's Rashomon. Fantastic film. Have you ever seen Rashomon? No, I haven't. Oh my god. Kashi Shimura from the Seven Samurai is what Tenai is telling me. All those samurai movies that Kurosawa did. They all had uh, the same actors in them. I want to say this might be an actual still from Rashomon. I'll get verification on this now. Do the old image search. Yeah, you're right. Seven Samurai. Takashi Shimura. Hey. But if you haven't seen Rashomon, watch Takashi Shimura. In Rashomon, it could almost be uh, applied to uh, attribution. Everybody's got their own perspective and their own version of the facts and reality. So, I mean, attribution's a weird game, right? Um, attribution's a game of looking at the code, figuring out 
patterns in the code look similar to previous activity that you can attribute to somebody. If I wanted my code to look like it came from Russian hackers, I might give my own malware to my own malware analysts, have them do some attribution, and just keep feeding them the same code, modifying it until it looks like it came from Russia, right? Yeah. There's also a lot of key bono, right, to whose benefit. So there is there is some of that. The NSA isn't going to leak things that aren't in their own interest. The FBI is not going to leak things that aren't in their own interest. So you, you can do a little bit of that, and that's where attribution gets a little little touchy. I think a lot of the problem with the community and attribution is that a lot of InfoSec people are very logically deterministically minded, right? So they're used to seeing if A, then B, if B, then C. And in some cases, attribution isn't always that clean, right? It's not like someone's going to have a uh, a comment in there saying, hi, we're the Russians. There's a different type of logic that goes into attribution. That's much more the type of work that intelligence analysts are used to doing and not the kind of work that coders or developers are used to doing. There's, there's always going to be that friction between the deterministic-minded InfoSec community and the a little bit more nuanced and not necessarily logically minded in the same sort of way uh, intelligence community. Jonathan Nichols, my guest for this episode. If someone listening wants to stalk you on Twitter, how should they go about doing that? Well, my Twitter is usually open. You can find me at WVU Alpha Soldier. That is Whiskey Victor Uniform. Alpha as it's spelled. So, so Alpha Lima Papa Hotel Alpha. And then Soldier as it's spelled. All one word, no underscores, no dashes, no special characters. Yep, I'm found all over the internet. No zeros for O's or um, sevens for L's or fours for A's. John Nichols, you'll find me as well. That's J-O-N-No-H Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S. Wait, no H and Nichols or no H and John? No H and John. No it's H. just John uh, Nichols. No H, period. No H at all. There's an H and Nichols. There's an H in both. There's no H in John. Jonathan. So if you search for me, it's just John, no H, Nichols. With an H. With an H. John, no H, Nichols with an H. J-O-N-N-I-C-H-O-L-S. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. And um, I look forward to talking to you again on the interweb soon. See you on the internet, my friend. <laughs> 